Hello and welcome to the Experimentalist Podcast. I'm getting drunk. that again. Hello? 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 There we go. There we go. I think it's... I got everything... Okay. There we go. We're bringing it down a little bit. Jazz, everybody. There's some crazy jazz going on there if that's what that's called i'm not really sure hey i'm ogilby straight an experimentalist that's me uh yes i'm uh as this jazzy jazz is going on there's it's like free jazz maybe maybe i should kick that back in a, a little bit i don't think i'm ready to talk anymore let's let's check it out weird craziness uh you know before i really get things moving into all different types of categories here and explain what's going to go on today on the 15th episode of the experimentalist podcast uh we're bringing it back sponsors coming up strong today uh really really excellent sponsor that i i just gotta jump right into this is the Allagash Crow, I believe. Crow, Crow, David Caroso, Allagash Crow. Yeah. The, this Allagash—it's just a crazy, crazy brew. From a crazy, crazy brewery, Allagash. Those guys are true experimentalists. I, I have to say so myself. This is a. Uh, I'm gonna go way deep into it here because, um, and and to all you crazy free jazz fans out there, there's more of that to come. Um, actually, as I was 
recording that, you know, as I was jazzing through there, uh, I was thinking maybe like some of these whole pieces I could put on my SoundCloud account. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it that with the free jazz one just because uh, I'm worried that people's minds might explode. Not not from how awesome it is, but, uh, you know, free jazz. I don't even know if that's free jazz. Maybe it is. Any free jazzers, let me know what the deal is with that. Is it just playing any notes that you can possibly think of and you play with other people and you just go it's crazy it's free you know what i'm saying maybe that's why free jazz shows are free usually um but anyway back to the music spent goofing around with that music this that that is it i'm calling it quits right there i'm quitting i'm quitting music altogether yep wait wait yep i quit all right i'm back in it wait did i quit and just get back into it i think i did anyway so here we are 15 episodes in right I can't ever tell if I'm on the 4th or 5th or 15th. I did so many tests. Who can even keep track? Who even cares? So, let's let's get into it. Experimentalist. That's that's me. That's if if you pick up one of my business cards cuz I I just had them minted at the printer and uh they say experimentalist on it. That's my profession. And what that is is I'm uh, I'm an experimentalist is sort of like a scientist, um, maybe more like a laboratorian or a laboratorian, somebody that works in a lab 
with gizmos and gadgets, and they use the scientific method to discover hypothetical answers to sometimes non-existent questions. And you might say, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and that precisely is why I do what I do. Much of what I do does not make immediate sense, but discovery must take paths. And it also must make paths. And that's all part of the process. Let me put it this way. like, Say there's like a place that contains all of the elements contained within life as we know it. Let's just uh, let's just say it's like a, a barn built in like the 1800s. And the barn's got two levels to it. There's a base level that's got all the stuff. It's twice as large as the level above it, which the second level doesn't really have that much of anything, but it's like an observatory level. And you can kind of mastermind and control the things going on in the floor below but down in the floor below is where all you get your hands dirty um that that level the base level contains everything it's like all the elements everything that can be touched felt sensed manipulated controlled combined constructed anything imaginable and all that is yet to be seen. If one were to find themselves in that barn and willing to take any number of chances, great, great things could be created. Along with an infinite splattering of, say, disastrous mishaps. But you take the good with the bad, you know. So, let me take a break for not station identification, but Allagash Crow. A strange brew, but likable. It's heavy and light at the same time. Check it out. I recommend it. Anyway, uh, you know, taking that sip just kind of made me picture this place a little bit more. Um, all right, this barn. Say, th- say this barn exists. How would you go about finding it? Would you even want to? That would probably be the first question. Well... You may really want to ask yourself before that, do you even believe that that place does exist? Because the answer to that will save you a lot of trouble, or it will set you up for a long, difficult journey. But say it does exist, and you want to check it out. Where would it be? How would you get there? Oh, there may seem to be so many questions. 
but let me save you a few steps. First off, that exact place does not exist. Not in the realm that we all know as human beings. But it may exist in a much larger or much smaller dimension. I say smaller or larger because the larger something becomes, it actually becomes smaller from a different perspective. For example, from up at 36,000 feet inside an airplane, a 56-year-old man walking to his banjo lesson at 1732 Holly Hill Drive would not even exist. He would not be visible to any human being in the airplane. So he wouldn't even exist. He'd be nothing. However, if he were to eat a magic cupcake, kind of like the one that Alice ate shortly after falling down the rabbit hole, he might grow to about the size of a dump truck. In that case, if some child who would hate flying unless they got to sit by the window... If that child would happen to look down, they would see that giant man, and he would be visible, but he would look really small. And you might say, well, the child would realize that that man is still larger than any other person because he's actually visible from space. And you'd, you know, you'd be right in that particular instance. So I probably should have just said, um, you know, you got a dump truck, right? And you, once you go up 30,000 feet, you look down and you just say, hey, look how small that looks. Maybe that doesn't really explain it either. How about um, from the giant guy's perspective? Um, as he gets bigger, you know, he might see farther distances and realize that they're not, they, they don't seem that far away anymore. He can travel faster and the world kind of starts to seem smaller. That sort of makes sense, right? I mean, what if he started eating these cakes, like the cupcakes, but started eating straight up full cakes with friends, like he'd have birthday parties and they'd all eat these cakes, and then they'd become like a whole crew of giant people, and that started catching on, and then being giant people everywhere started becoming the norm, and everybody would get so huge where like planets... Are, you know, they can just, like, stand on a planet and hop around from planet to planet like mutant frogs on a humongous lake filled with cosmic lily pads, for instance. And once they do that for a little while, then he realizes that, hey, having his memory from back when he was just a regular human being on Earth, as he's jumping around these cosmic lilies... He realizes, hey, I'm just a frog hopping around through the universe, ribbiting my days away. 
And he might at that point feel small. At times, inconsequential. And some days, even some annoying brats might start to throw rocks at him and his pals. Now, I know all these situations are kind of hypothetical here, but, you know, that's one of the first steps. Construct a hypothesis. Usually, the hypothesis is my first step, even though in the scientific method, it's like step three or four. But that's why I'm a laboratorian, or a laboratorian, or more accurately, an experimentalist. So, last night, last night this morning, kind of early this morning, there was a, an event that I, I don't know if it got a lot of press. It's kind of interesting, um, but our, our planet Earth uh, passed through like a tail of a comet or at least like the debris of some comet that I think flew by whatever area we're in like 30 to 50 or 80 years ago or something like that. Sorry, I don't have the complete details, but um, I, I came across NASA, some sort of NASA online thing uh, when I was kind of looking up details on when these like meteors and all that stuff were going to be flying by because I wanted to check them out. And, uh, yeah, there's, like, some live NASA thing online online where it's, it's at least what I saw last night, it was basically just, like, a black screen. But dudes talking about, you know, what's going on out there in the universe. And, um, you know, last night they were, they were talking, like, 12, no, 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. They said there would be visible evidence of, like, these meteors flying by. So... It was weird. I woke up at two o'clock on the dot and rolled outside. I just got up and I was like, hey, I just woke up at two o'clock in the morning. Just head outside, see what's happening, what's shaking out there. And, um, you know, there wasn't too much. There was uh, I maybe caught a few glimpses. There were some small meteors streaking through the night sky. Um like I said, I didn't probably make it out there to till two o'clock or two fifteen, 
and the evidence of our planet passing through or being passed by the debris, that whole thing was just ending. I heard that, you know, maybe 12 o'clock was the better time to go out there, so they misjudged that a little bit. But what, what can you say? I mean, it's like planets streaming through space. And, I mean, they didn't even know about this comet until 2004 when they identified it, and then they had to track it for a bunch of years before they could accurately tell when we were going to be going by it. And I, I think a uh, two-hour window is pretty good. But anyway, I was out there at 2 a.m., sitting around, looking up at the sky, I saw three highly visible streaks, I would say. I'd be staring all around, looking up, looking at the stars. Sometimes my eyes and my mind would start playing tricks on me. But then I'd see one. Pop in, streak across, disappear, just like a Roman candle being shot know across the sky and it made me think about the cosmos and everything like that yeah I was out there for nearly an hour kept almost dozing off, but then another bright line would slice through the sky as if a man was standing behind a dark curtain with a giant knife cutting through the material. And as he sliced away, his blade would shimmer. Just momentarily. Maybe it was reflecting light from the sun that, from my perspective, would have been underground. It made me think about the cosmos and everything like that. Somewhat disappointed, but still really glad that I spent that hour out under the stars. After I could tell that all that there was was done, I made my way back to bed. At that point, there was an absence of sound. It was 3 a.m. Nothing going on. That absence of sound mixed with the vastness of space seemed to start to create a song in my head. I shut my eyes to go back to sleep and I could still see the twinkling sky and the meteoric lines on the back of my eyelids. I 
jammed out for a little bit to that tune. And it made me think about the cosmos. And everything like that. 